As we continue to look back at last season, it's time to review the wing position. And man, Pack, that makes me super hungry, but it's not time to eat. It's time to talk about Leaky Black and Puff Johnson, Tyler Nickel, and Dontrez Styles. You are Locked On Tar Heels, your daily podcast on the UNC Tar Heels, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hey there, it's Wednesday, April 5th, 2023, a big, big day in the Carolina family. Why? Today is the 30th anniversary of the 1993 National Championship game. Happy Chris Webber timeout day to those who celebrate. Love that pack. We're, you know, we might be coming off a not as great season, but there's so much in the history that we can continue to celebrate and lean on. We want to welcome you in to the Locked on Tar Heels podcast, the only daily national North Carolina show out there. I'm your host, Isaac Shade. Joining me as he does every Wednesday is our guy, Coach Pack. Kilby, we want to thank you for making us your first listen or watch of the day. Coming up on today's show, we are looking all at last year's wings, the contribution we got from the wings, legacy, things like that, and, and talking about the role of the wing within the Coach Hubert Davis stratosphere and his plans and strategies. And so as we look back at this year, Pack, there are what I would call four main wings on the team. And when we're talking about this, it's kind of the in-between, between the backcourt, we call those positions one and two, point guard and shooting guard, and the front guard, front court, excuse me, the four and five, the power forward, and the center. And I know those are the more traditional positions, but we'll use that for today's purpose. So we're talking about the position in between those, the three, you might call it the small forward, you might call it the wing. And so the main guys on Carolina's team that played that position this year were Leaky Black, the starter at three, Puff Johnson, Dontrez Styles, and Tyler Nickel. And I certainly want to talk about all four of them, but Pack, I feel like we owe this first whole segment to focus on and appreciate our man Rayshon Malik Leaky Black for his five years of what he's done as a Tar Heel, who he is as a person, and um, how he will continue to be a Carolina advocate and alum for the rest of his life. So just a quick look inside his numbers, and then let's have some conversation. This season, Leakey played 33 games, started those uh, 32.1 minutes per game, 86 of 209 from the field, 41.1%, 32.6% from three, 70.2% from the free throw line, 7.3 points per game, six and a half rebounds a game, 50 assists, 29 turnovers, 42 steals, and 27 blocks. For his career, pack 155 games played, the all-time Tar Heel leader, and I know we got a little bit of an asterisk because of the five seasons, whatever, he's in front, deal with it. 5.5 points per game, 853 total, just not quite to that 1,000-point mark, man, that's a bummer. 26.9 minutes per game per, for his career, 40.1 field goal percentage, 29.6 three-point percentage, 73.5% from the line, 4.7 rebounds, 2.2 assists, 92 blocks, and 166 steals. And Pack, I've loved to say things like this all season, but Leaky Black is the only Tar Heel that has this mix of stats. 850 points, 75 threes, 
700 rebounds, 300 assists, 75 blocks, and 150 steals. Anytime you can be the only person to do anything at Carolina, especially when it's a stat-stuffing thing, that's something impressive. Pat Kilby, what do you love and appreciate and will remember about this man? Well, first of all, just the fact that he's a Tar Heel through and through means a lot to me, Um, especially in this era of college basketball where it's easy to find a new place to play or it's easy to bail out of a struggle. And, you know, I think we all know Leakey had a struggle, um, particularly his true sophomore and junior year, I think were struggles for him. Um, and then his true senior season and then his COVID year, I think were, were really beneficial for him. But, you know, to me, it's, it speaks of volumes about who he is, that he stuck, at, stuck it out as a Tar Heel, and um, he just grew and grew and grew and grew and got better. And I respect the heck out of that. I think um, he's been a staple for us defensively. Hmm. Uh, he's grown offensively. He showcased that some this year. And more importantly, I guess, than all of that, and at least in my opinion, is I thought he was a stand-up leader. I thought he gave it his all in that uniform every time they stepped on the court. And I thought he was a great teammate. And, I mean, the dude played 155 games in a uniform and every time he did, he represented the university well. So, to me, he's high up on my list. You guys know that. I'm, I'm a huge fan of him. I just think, uh, I just think, you know, even basketball stuff aside, I think he's an awesome person and uh, uh, just a great man. That's well said. Well said. And I, I know he was often soft-spoken, but uh, it, he's one of those people whose games just spoke volume. Um Pack, one of the things that was interesting for me this season in particular about Leakey was it felt like it took his individual man-on-man defense a little bit longer to get to that elite level. I, I won't say to get good, but to get like to the low. I felt like he more quickly last year was able to get to the level where it was just shut down, lockdown, you ain't doing nothing. Now, once he got there this year, he was there and doing it again, and it was fun to watch. But do you feel like that that's true? And and if so, any thoughts as to why that might have been this year? Yeah, I, I see that to an extent. And, you know, in today's day and age, like the way the game is innovated offensively, man, it sure is hard to keep people in front, <laughs> uh, especially with the space that people have and the athleticism that he's facing. He's on the other team's best player. Yeah. And, you know, to kind of piggyback off of that, no one is truly a great one-on-one defender without a great team. There defense. you go. That's a good word. And I think that Leakey was hurt by some of that just because I don't think our team defense was up to par, you know, to be honest with you. And um, whenever you don't have someone there and help to, you know, close up or stunt uh, gaps that people are driving, uh, then it, man, it makes it tough. It makes it really tough. And so I think Leakey struggled from some of that. And then as we picked up our intensity and as we got better as a team, defensively, you saw Leakey get better as a defender. And so I, you know, at least in my mind, I think that's the reasoning why you mm-hmm. saw that trend there. There was another trend that was really interesting to me this year that that I had picked up on like kind of throughout the season. We haven't talked about much, but Leakey has 
most of his career been one of Carolina's best facilitators. His freshman year, 1.2 assists per game, but then 2.6, 2.4, 2.7. And then this year it was down to 1.5, barely above his freshman year and the only season since then below two. But his rebounds, his freshman year, 2.1, and then 5.0, 4.9, 4.3. And then this year that jumped to 6.5, had never been above 5.0, and then he jumped a rebound and a half per game. Pack, I'm trying to. Th- I've been trying to process that as well. Like, do these two things go together? Do, is it like a reciprocal relationship where assists were down and uh, and rebounds were up? I wonder if the coaching staff was asking him to do some different things. What all might play into something like that? Uh, a couple things. Uh, you know, overall roster. I think you know Brady was a pretty good rebounder last year. I think that probably ate into Leakey's rebound some. Whereas this year, I think we needed Leakey to be more of a rebounder. And, you know, and obviously in past years, you know, when Roy Williams was the head coach, there were double bigs. So there probably weren't quite as many rebounds to go around. Um, But then, you know, if you really think about it, if you're involved in the rebounding process, then you're not as much involved in the transition process. And I really think that's where Leakey's really good um, about getting those pitch aheads and yeah. making wise decisions in transition. Yeah. And he's a good passer. And so um, if he's doing the rebounding, he's not really doing as much of the passing in transition. So that's probably, you know, at least if I was going to state my two cents, I would say that's a big reason <laughs> for assists going down and rebounds going up. Yeah, makes a lot of sense to me. Two more things I want to talk about with Leakey, and then we'll keep going. Throughout his career, he's been an underappreciated Tar Heel, specifically in terms of gameplay, like beyond the the off the court stuff. I've often wondered if that's due in part, and I would go beyond wondering to say I think it is in part because of his lack of traditional defensive stats. Like he's a player where you can't just look at the box score and see exactly how he's defensively affecting a game. Whereas some players and the players that usually get the defensive accolades, you can look and see, oh, look at how many blocks he had as compared to everyone else. Or look how many steals he had as compared to everyone else. With Leakey, you you have to, and frankly, you get to watch him play and see what an elite defender he is. And I would say it's because of what an elite defender he is that he doesn't need those traditional stats, right? He does the early defensive work to get in position to guard by moving his feet and his body rather than having to recover and block or rather than having to poke the ball away. Now, I'm not saying steals and blocks are bad. Obviously, those are good things. But a lot of it feels like to me that Leakey is underappreciated because you got to watch the game. And you got to appreciate his early movement and defensive positioning to really understand the fullness of what he does for a team. Absolutely. And man, I'm going to tell you, just to tack on to that, you don't just show up and <laughs> shut people down. Like there's a lot of film that goes into that and figuring out their tendencies. If they're going right, this is what they like to do. If they're going left, this is what they like to do. If they're coming off a ball screen, this is what they like to do. And he's remembering all that on the fly and adjusting to it to take it away. And, you know, I mean, 
you're right. The the blocks and and the steals do they matter? Yeah, I mean that they're they're important to an extent, but really, I mean when you really get down to it, blocks are usually happen because somebody else got beat. Simon is right. And steals happen a lot of times because in a sense you're gambling and you you won that gamble. And Leaky doesn't do a lot of that. He is just solid. He's consistent. He keeps people in front. He's always in the right spot. So you don't see a lot of those stats pop up. But ultimately, it's really a sign of actually how good of a defender he is, at least in my opinion. Well, I think your opinion's a great one, and I agree with you. (laughs) Pack, last word on Leaky for right now. I'm sure we'll talk about him more this offseason. Right now, in I know we're just a couple weeks removed from the end of his Carolina career, which is still weird to say. What is Leaky Black's legacy for this program? Oh, that's a big question. Uh, to me, his legacy is summed up in just a couple words. You know, loyalty hmm. and heart. Hmm. The dude was loyal to the university and to the basketball program, and he played every game he had with heart and passion. And to me, that's the best legacy you can leave um, just because of the, the caliber player, the caliber of teammate, the caliber of person that he is. He represents our program exactly the way we want it to be represented. So I think he leaves a pretty bright legacy. I'm not going to add anything to that, my friend. That is well said. Thank you for those words. Well, Leaky is the lone wing who is leaving the program because he's out of eligibility. The, left, the rest of them, they're just all leaving because they want to. Yikes. We're going to talk about that in just a second. But first, this episode is brought to you by our friends at FanDuel. The NBA playoffs are almost here, and now's the perfect time to download FanDuel, America's number one sportsbook, because new customers get a no-sweat first bet up to $1,000. That's bonus bets back if your first bet doesn't win. Just download the FanDuel Sportsbook app. It's safe, secure, and super easy to use. And then you can bet on everything from the money line to point scores and, of course, three pointers drain check out some of the lines for upcoming nba games plus fanduel even lets you combine those bets for a chance at a bigger payout with the same game parlay so don't miss your chance to get a no sweat first bet up to one thousand dollars in bonus bets when you go to fanduel.com slash locked on once again that's fanduel.com slash locked on to learn all about it make every moment more with fanduel an official sports betting partner of the nba Paxton Kilby. There are three other main wings that were in Carolina's rotation of scholarship players this year. Tyler Nickel, just finishing off his freshman year, played in 25 games, 6.1 minutes per game, uh, 52 total points, 2.1 points per game. Um, He, as we have found out in recent days, is transferring to Virginia Tech, back to his home state. By the way, we also learned on Tuesday that Justin McCoy is transferring to Hawaii. So, you know what? Great move. Go be on the beach to end your college career. That is a baller uh, move, Justin McCoy, and I'm here for it. Puff Johnson. Man, this one hurts still. After his junior year, transfers out, 27 games played this season, started two of them, 15.9 minutes per game, 4.1 points per game. And then Dontrez Styles also transferring out. We don't know his landing spot, same as Puff Johnson, as of yet 15 games played, 
That's it, Pac. Just 15 games he played this year, 5.9 minutes per game, 21 total points scored this season. And so when you when you look at these three dudes, Pac, I know with Puff we can probably point to injuries. With Tyler, we can probably point to inexperience and defense or lack of defense at this point in his career. With Dontrez, perhaps just a lack of trust with the coaching staff or whatever it may be, we never really learned. Why, why didn't we get more out of this position? What is it about these guys? Well... That's a good question. <laughs> I think, you know, I think for one, um, the reality is, and as much as I love all of them, this position group was very offensively limited. Yes. Um, they struggled to shoot, struggled to score, struggled to create. Um, and then, you know, each one of them, like you mentioned before, had maybe some of their own individual weaknesses um, that were standalone to just them and not necessarily the whole group. But, like, you look at Trez, you look at Leakey, I think there's a lot of similarities there. Both really good athletes, both really good defenders, offensively limited. You look at Puff, he's maybe more gifted offensively than the others, but he was, you know, uh, plagued by injuries and then plagued, honestly, by – just inconsistency in his role, in my opinion. Yeah. And yeah. then which is not on him. Right. And then you look at Tyler and you see he's I, I just said Puff maybe more offensively good. <laughs> no, I was I was gonna ask you about that. I was like, ah, are you sure? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, Tyler slipped my mind. Take that back, guys. Tyler's the most offensively gifted, but I think we all agree he's the least defensively gifted. And so um they all have some standalone things, but you know, ultimately, I, I think two things stood in the way of them getting more production. Number one, like I already mentioned, was offensive liabilities or limitations. And then the second was just for whatever reason, the coaching staff did not trust them enough to give them a consistent role. And now we're we're reaping what we sowed, you know, the. And, and, you know, earlier you said something that I thought was interesting, and I'm not correcting you. You just said no, that do because, because they wanted to. I'm not sure they wanted to. I think they Oh, man. That's a good, like yeah. Forced to, you know. I think uh, they want a chance to play. They want a chance to prove themselves. And and Don Trez even came out and said that. I read it on Tuesday. I don't know if it was Monday or Tuesday, but he just said, you know, he was narrowing his list to four, and he just wanted a chance to play. Hmm. And was sad for him to leave North Carolina. But you can't blame him. Can't blame him at all. Yeah. Can't blame him at all. It's really interesting. And I, I, it's interesting what you said about Puff, because while I agree, I, th- I think it is Tyler that's the more gifted offensive player. I think Puff, out of this quartet, and I'll include Leakey, obviously, in that, had the chance to be the most well-rounded basketball player of the four of them. It's just that the injuries just keep setting the poor guy back. I just can't get past it. And you, you talked about, Pac, the the offensive liabilities or limitations. Let's let's give some stats to back that up so it's not just you as a talking head saying something. 
the four of these guys combined last year to score 423 points out of Carolina's 2,514. That means that from the wing position, Carolina got just 16.8% of their total points. And keep in mind, they're not all just filtering through the three. Sometimes these guys are playing the two and three or the three and four together. And so all of these guys combined, all of their minutes scored just 16.8% of North Carolina's points in 2022-23. That ain't going to do it. Here's another thing. Three-point shooting. In this day and age, and particularly in a Coach Hubert Davis offense, you have to have three-point shooting from your three. Think about Puff Johnson's own older brother, Cam, who brought the thunder, right? Like bringing it from three, raining it. Here's the combination. These same four guys combined from three shot 50 of 168. That's a combined 29.8% from three for this quartet of, of Leaky Puff, Tyler Nickel, and Dontrez Styles. And I know we could break that apart and figure out why that is and all that stuff, but I just want to hear that number, that percentage being under 30%, 29.8. Now, the, the sad truth is when you look at it, that's only slightly worse than Caleb Love's 29.9% three-point shooting this year. 29.9 for Caleb, 29.8 combined for these four guys. Uh, when you put all that together, that's not good production from your one and your three position, unfortunately. Not to mention, the, the percentage was bad, but it's only 50 total made threes from these four guys. You gotta have more than that. So, Pac... Um, like, I feel like we need to keep talking about this, keep thinking about what it means and and how Coach Davis needs to get more out of this wing position, out of the three, and why that might look different going forward. And I want to ask you about some of those things, and I want to do that in just a second. We'll be right back with you. Okay, folks, we're talking about the wings from North Carolina's 2022-23 basketball team, Leaky Black. Puff Johnson, Tyler Nickel, and Dontrez Styles. And here's the truth of it. We've already kind of alluded to it, but let's put it together. Thinking ahead to this year, Leaky Black is out of eligibility. Puff Johnson transferred out. Dontrez Styles transferred out. They haven't found a landing spot yet. And Tyler Nickel transferred out and is committed to Virginia Tech. That means, Pat Kilby, that as of this moment, which things can change in a quick second in the transfer portal era, but as of this moment, Carolina essentially doesn't have a starting three unless they go with a three-guard lineup, which would be awesome, and I would love it. I ran out of breath on that. Pack, you said to me recently, you think Leaky Black is the last of his kind for Carolina and that we'll likely see a more offensive-minded three or more offensive-minded wing going forward. Why do you think that, and why do you think that's important to Coach Davis's system? Okay, so, um, you know, you kind of touched on my first point. My first point was uh, an offensive three is needed in Coach Davis's system. I'll talk about that. Yeah, let's, let's recognize that fact. Yes. Yeah. And then, you know, the second thing is we've got to get better offensively as a whole, but specifically at the three and the four. And, uh, well, really the two also. But, <laughs> <laughs> that's that's it in a nutshell we yeah. got to get better at the three well and the four well and the two i mean it's like there you go yeah yeah but um 
you know, I was looking at some statistics today and uh, one thing that stood out to me and it, Ken Palm actually talked about it a little bit on Twitter too, but of the last 26 years, uh, 22 of those 26 national champions have been crowned. Their offense was statistically better than their defense. Hmm. Um, and the last eight years in a row, the offense has outweighed the defense. Hmm. And so that tells me offense is a huge priority and we've got to get better there. And so when I say Leakey's the last of his kind, as far as being a defensive, more of a defensive minded player at the three, I think you're going to start to see us evolve to more of a up-to-date roster and more of a focus on an offensive-minded three. Um, or maybe not even just offensive-minded, but just more of a skilled three. You know, maybe they're a three and D type player. It really doesn't matter. They've just got to be able to stretch the floor. <laughs> and, uh, you know, why that's important in Coach Davis's offense is a couple things. It's more of a pro-style system. So two things are happening in this offense. Well, really three. You see a lot of handoffs. You see a lot of ball screens. And you see a lot of taking advantage or at least attempting to take advantage of matchups or mismatches in some roundabout way. So if you look at those three things, it's really important that you have offensive threats on the floor or else – you know, you provide, you know, if you put someone out there that that's not an offensive threat, then you provide the defense with an out. They can play somebody and help that takes away, you know, uh, a driving lane. They can double Armando Baycott easily and not have to worry about them throwing out to somebody that can't shoot. Yep. You know, they can, they can do a lot of things with it defensively. And so we've got to make sure that, we make it tough. Teams say, God, you know, I don't know if we can, <laughs> I don't know if we can afford to hedge this. I don't know if we can afford to double team Armando Bacar. I don't know if we can we afford to, yeah. you know, and we've got to be able to um, have more players that can take advantage of mismatches. And we've got to have more players that are just quite honestly, and I'm not saying this is just the wings, but we got to have more players who are willing to move the basketball and create for others. Mm. Um, so long story short, that's why we need an offensive minded three. I'm here for it. I love it. I love it. Now here's the last question. I want to get us out on this one in this era of positionless basketball where, you know, there, there are positions, but with all the switching and mismatches and athleticism and stretch fours and stuff, you almost have to be able to play different positions. And so as we start, because obviously we're going to have to get wings out of the transfer portal, whether it's Dalton Connect or whomever it is, got to go get this position. Pac, do you think it's more important to have a three that can slide up to a small ball four or a three that can slide down to more of a big, sh like oversized shooting guard? And, and I know you'd love to have guys who can do some of both, but if you had to have one or the other, as a coach, what would you rather have? Um, you know, honestly, I'll give you a political answer and then I'll give you the truth. <laughs> I think the political answer is more of how is my roster made up around that? Yeah. 
you know, do I yeah. need someone that can play bigger as the four? And, you know, maybe we, we lack size and I need somebody to step up and be able to guard at the four. And, or maybe I lack guard play and I need somebody <laughs> that's three to be able to be a two. You know, I, a lot of it depends on roster. And then, you know, if you look at just strictly what I prefer, um, I'm a lot like you. I like a three guard system. Uh, and to be quite honest with you, at my level, at the high school level, I like a four guard system. Um, but that's not necessarily as doable at the college level. So I, I would really like to have threes that play like guards. And because that tells me a couple things. Ultimately, it tells me they're probably able to shoot the ball. They're probably able to handle the ball. And they're probably able to guard multiple positions mm. with, with speed, quickness, switching handoffs, switching ball screens, things of that nature. That's the way the game's training anyways. And I and so I, I really like that more. I think that's more flexible, and I think it provides more offensively. Yeah, But I also see the benefits of the other way also. Yeah, it's going to be interesting to see what Carolina goes out and gets, who Carolina goes out and gets. Five more scholarships still to go, and we'll see how this all comes together. Pat, great stuff as always, man. Always fun to chat. Next week, we've we've already done the backcourt. We've done the wings. Next week, we will switch to the frontcourt look back at their season. That's it for today's episode, though, of Locked on Tar Heels. Thanks so much for joining us. You can follow the show on Twitter at Locked on Heels. You can follow Pack at Coach underscore K23. Follow me at Isaac Shade. Shoot the show an email, LockedOnTarHeels at gmail.com. Would love to have your nominations for the Heel of the Week and the Heel of the Week. We'll do those on Friday. And for your next listen, please don't forget to check out our brand new show, Locked on College Basketball. Even though the season is over, Andy Patton and I will be with you all summer long, five days a week, transfer portal, coaching changes, draft declarations, recruiting. We'll have it all coming at you. You can find Locked on College Basketball on YouTube and anywhere else you get podcasts. Hey, Pack and I really appreciate you hanging out with us today on a Wednesday. We want to remind you that it's always a great day to be a Tar Heel. Until tomorrow... Peace.